Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in Friends in the Morning, live from Israel. WABC. Limelight rush as we approach 8.23 back in New York, 3.23 in the afternoon here in Israel. So I've gotten, I don't know, 100,000 messages from you folks in New York and around the world, actually, being honest, how much you've appreciated these four shows, how much you've loved it. Jews and non-Jews, folks, not just Jews. People who are humane, decent people have sent me some of the most beautiful messages I've ever received over the last four days. And if you're one of those folks and love these shows, then you got to love this guy because it was all made possible by these studios here in Jerusalem, JNS Studios, JNS.org. Now, you've heard the CEO, Alex Trayman, on this show a lot since October the 7th, showing tremendous amount of courage. Early on, he would come on with me. You would hear the rockets in the background. It was nuts. So he's been coming on for a long time. Born in Canarsie, grew up in um, in Marlboro, New Jersey, went to Yeshiva University, was married, moved to Forest Hills, has a big New York background. His wife, Tippy, is an amazing lady. All my tanning sessions, my gym sessions because of her. And he runs this amazing team here in Jerusalem, from Dove Yarden to Ryan Lifshitz to Avia Asner. The entire team includes the editor-in-chief, Jonathan Tobin, one of America's most prominent conservative columnists, senior contributing editor, Caroline Glick. She's been on the show. Melanie Phillips, the publicist for this company, by the way, is Curtis's sister, the great Maria Sliwa. And once again, the Jewish News Syndicate is a reader-supported U.S. 501c3 nonprofit organization. Check them out. Sign up for the daily newsletter and consider making a donation at GNS. And if anybody, Alex, deserves money, along with one Israel fund, it's you guys. So thank you so much. Thanks so much, Sid. We're, we're glad to have you here. It's amazing meeting you. I mean, I remember that first phone call that Monday morning. I heard you on with Noam early. And I said, Noam, who was that guy? And I just spent that whole Sunday literally in tears. I said, oh, his name is Alex. He works in, get him on. And you came on that Monday, October the 9th. And again, I heard rocket fire in the background. And you were shaking, man. Your voice was trembling, and of course you were. And you've been coming on religiously since, probably 20 or 25 times. And to see you in person, very handsome, by the way, very handsome. 
You are a super guy. Thank you so much. Well, I know that the show is called Sid and Friends, and I'm glad to have become a friend. Oh, you're a very, very good friend. I have some friends that are just friends. You're a very good friend. So thank you for all you did before I got here and certainly for all you've done since. How's it been having me and Justin here before? It's been a ton of fun. And and congratulations to you. I mean, I think it was very brave of you to come out here. You said on the show, we were on the show together, you said, i got to take the show out to Jerusalem. And you did it, you know, and I think that's been been so important, not just for you personally, and I know that uh, this trip has touched you personally yes. at a deep soul level, but uh, I think that that's being communicated to all of your listeners uh, in New York and beyond, and I, I think that you've done a tremendous, tremendous thing by being uh, here, so you. thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. And you're a New York guy. I just read your history from Canarsie to uh, New Jersey to Washington Heights to Forest Hills. How long have you lived now here in Israel? Uh, 19 years. 19 years. And I said earlier in this program, all the people that Lady Eve was on earlier, she's from Los Angeles. I had a woman in here a couple of days ago from Chicago. All these people that did live in the United States, and by the way, still say nice things, not about Biden, they love Trump, about the United States. Not one has said to me, man, I miss it. Everyone says, I wouldn't leave this place if they blew it up. I'm not leaving Israel. Something tells me you feel the same way. Oh, absolutely. I think that we're doing something for our people. You know, that, you know, my grandparents were Holocaust survivors. Oh, they were. And, uh, you know, that they were liberated from death camps. And the idea that today a Jewish person can fight for their land, like if, if my grandparents and their great-grandparents could see me now raising my children here in the holy city of Jerusalem, I mean, what a dream uh, for generation after generation of Jews to be able to do that. And, and I'm so, so pleased and proud to be able to, to, to raise my kids here. Well said. Five beautiful kids. But you have a New York history. So when you put me on, which you do occasionally from Israel, and you hear me talking about a rally in Bay Ridge, you know Bay Ridge, a Canarsie boy, 5,000 strong. Or when I try to go to the airport last Saturday after Shabbos, and I'm getting warnings, Sid, go early because they're blocking the entrance to Kennedy Airport. They're standing on the Bell Parkway. Aren't you disheartened? Well, you know, I was going around college campuses in the early 2000s when this whole phenomenon of Israel Apartheid Week uh, started. and you know, What they call it? Israel Apartheid Week. This was going on on college campuses. They would put up these uh, fake barriers that Israel put up in order to stop suicide bombers uh, during the intifadas, and they were putting these fake walls up and doing these uh, staged die-ins on the college campuses, and this is where it all got started. And quite frankly, I mean, it was it was visceral for me. I understood that, uh, you know, this if it wasn't stopped and, and I watched how and unfortunately the Jewish community didn't stop it. You know, they they said, don't don't give it too much attention. Just don't, it's going to go away. It's not going to get worse. And I, I just watched it get worse and worse and worse. So I'm really not shocked at what's going on right now. And, and I think that the Jews that are shocked, I mean, they they, they should have woken up a long time ago. Somebody said to me not that long ago that the Jewish people are partly to blame. Um, and it feels uncomfortable saying that, you know, but they're partly to blame because of some of the people they vote in outside this country because of how sometimes even in this country they seem to get somewhat, uh, what's the right word for this, um, they think it's okay, you know, um, and they're partly to blame for some of this. I don't believe that's true. I imagine you don't either, right? Well, you don't want to blame the victim on the one hand, right? Right. You right. Know, that, I mean, that's that's ridiculous, and we've gotten used to being blamed as the victim. I mean, Jews and is, Israel have complacent is what I was looking for. Yeah, but I mean, you do have to ask yourself the question: if if a candidate that's running for office, and it doesn't matter what that party is, okay, if they're saying that their primary foreign policy priority is to fund the enemies of the Jewish people, you have to ask yourself. 
can I, as a Jew, vote for this person? Yeah, right. they do all the time. Right. I mean, <laughs> Joe, Joe Biden gets got a ton of the Jewish vote all the time. Democrats all over our country. And, of course, even here, you had the, the liberal group actually take over a couple of years ago. Now they're working, I guess, hand-in-hand hand with Bibi. I'm very confused by your whole government here, but you've got a very liberal group in charge. No, we actually have a strong right-wing government that won in the last elections, but when the war started, uh, Netanyahu understood that when we go to war, we go as a as a united nation. It doesn't matter if we're, you know, it's Wait, right didn't Bibi lose to liberals oh, not that long ago? Am I crazy? Well, yes, he lost, but, you know, we had here five elections in four years' time, okay? <laughs> it was a very complicated situation. I don't think we have enough time to get into it, right. but, but uh, they got him out for a very brief period. They turned the country over to Naftali Bennett. He became the prime minister, even though 95% of the country voted for somebody else. Uh, and he sat with everybody from the left, every single left-wing member of the Knesset, even an Arab party that had never sat in a government came in in order to get Netanyahu out. Of course, that government didn't last. It, it lasted right, barely right. a year. Yeah. And then Netanyahu won a stunning election just a year ago, and he put a, a completely right-wing government in but once the war started he said you know we better in order to get international support and to get domestic support we need to bring sure. some of our challengers uh, our opposition into the government so he brought his primary challenger benny gantz uh into the government so yeah there's a few uh left-wingers sitting together but it, it's a right-wing government here and the people of israel are are very strongly right-wing and they're only going to get more right-wing after well, October you say 7th. that yet there were public um protests here like we've got in new york for the from the pro-palestinians uh, anti-Netanyahu, all these, the parents of all these hostages, and I understand why, they want their kids out, but they're furious with Netanyahu. They, they, they gather every week in Tel Aviv, they call it hostage square. So, and, and everybody keeps telling me the same thing, anecdotal, that Netanyahu, once this war is over, he's done, he's out of here. You don't believe that's true? Well, a lot of these protesters were in the streets before the war. Right. So when it, during the election cycle, it was just anti Netanyahu protests or, or democratia, which means democracy protests here in Israel. And then once Netanyahu came back into power, he rolled out a judicial reforms package because the Supreme Court in Israel is a far left uh, and aggressive activist court that has been per, that's been preventing a right-wing agenda uh, in this country for a long time against the will of most of the citizens. And so he wanted to reform that court. And so then these anti-Netanyahu protesters, they latched on to this judicial reform, and then it became anti-judicial reform protests. And now, uh, unfortunately, that same movement has been hijacking this issue of hostages, and, and they're rallying under the premise of, what's called bring them home you've probably seen a lot of these posters bring them home yeah but when you write bring them home what that means is that you're putting the responsibility of the hostages the fate of the hostages on the israeli government it the the slogan should be release the hostages right it should be put the onus on the bad guys hamas is the one that took the hostages and you know what there's there's another group of hostages as we speak are protesting the the movement of humanitarian aid uh, that's being poured into Gaza, saying, how can you give them humanitarian aid while there's still hostages uh, inside Israel? But there's not that same anti-Netanyahu money that's being put into into covering those protests. So you're yeah. not really hearing yeah. about that as much. So unfortunately, uh, some of the the hostage uh, movement is is actually been co-opted by the anti-Netanyahu movement to begin with. It is really unbelievable how much... Netanyahu mirrors Trump. I mean, of course, and they were great friends, great friends. Uh, Obama and Netanyahu, not friends. Trump comes in, great friends. Netanyahu, Biden, let's be honest, not friends, okay? Uh, Netanyahu's smart. He, he's, he, he has to be nice to Biden. 
they need the American government here. They need our money. They need our weapons. They need our support, all that nonsense. But Netanyahu knows better. He didn't like the guy before him. He liked the guy after him. But he's so much like Trump. Right, Alex? It's, well, it's almost a mirror no, image. It, it's not really like that. No, I mean, it's not. Because uh, Netanyahu, I mean, he, he's really a, a statesman. He's a diplomat. He's been the prime minister of this country for 16 years. He transformed a developing nation yeah. into... Well, you hate Trump, then. Well, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, 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 Trump, I told you on the show, I think yeah. that Trump has been by far, you know, the... the best president that israel ever had and yeah. for people that don't like trump and for all those personality reasons and i totally get that i tell people i say look even if you don't like the guy and you think everything's wrong is that even a broken clock could be right twice a day and when it came to the middle east when it came to pulling out of the iran deal when it came to defunding the palestinian authority when it came to declaring that jerusalem is only the capital of the jewish state of israel when it came to recognizing israel's sovereignty over the golan heights and saying that the settlements the so-called settlements which are just suburban jewish towns that you saw the other day that these cannot be the obstacle to peace and they're not necessarily illegal under international law. Like everything that he did was right. And you know what? Those were the quietest years that I've ever lived in Israel was when Trump was the president wow. here. So he may, um, he may not be as stately as Netanyahu, but uh, at least well, you guys. But he also understood job. who, you yeah. know, who was a friend of Israel and who's yeah. not. And yeah. when you have, you know, this, we, we had this concept here in Israel that called land for peace. Okay. That, and we went down this path, and we were ready in this country, despite many protests and a lot of people telling and screaming that it was a bad idea, that we would be willing to cede land if we would get from the Palestinians peace in return. And, and what people were arguing was that, no, if you give these guys a state, what you're going to get is terror. And then Israel pulled out of the Gaza Strip in 2005. There used that was to be, Sharon, right? Yeah, Sharon. There used to be 8,000 Jewish citizens living inside Gaza, and, and the Israeli military was present there. In 2005, they took everybody out. And this was the the pilot project for the independent Palestinian entity. And you had people screaming from the rafters saying, if you do this, you're going to get a terrorist state lit over there. And what happened? They were right. They were 100% right. That's why people like Shani Hyken are doing the right thing, trying to get that land back for us. All their fears were validated yes. on October 7th. And yes. now what's happening, you hear you know, reports in, in Axios that that, uh, that Anthony Blinken uh, and the State Department and uh, David Cameron in the U.K. are saying that they're looking at ways to recognize an independent Palestinian state. Two-state solution. At, yeah. Right after, I mean, we're still picking up the, the pieces dead of, bodies. of dead bodies. And there are still hostages, and, girls being raped. And, and so basically what what's happening is that the United States and the U.K. have been lying to Israel the whole time. And they're saying that it was never about land for peace. Never. It was just about you creating a Palestinian state. So if land for peace fails, then what's going to happen is going to be... War for land. Yeah. And if they declare war, then that shows how much more so that they deserve to get land. Well, let's wrap up this great conversation with a war question. That is, it seems like everybody here, every conversation I have, is preparing for the war in the north. And as bad and as ugly, and it's still going on, picking up body parts, rapes, all that in the south, people describe that as the pregame show. That the north with Hezbollah in Lebanon, that's going to be real bad and could really affect the whole country, even you guys here, electrical grids, food, jobs, everything. Is that what you're preparing for? I think that uh, everybody in Israel understands that this war was going to come and that it's on and it's on now. So what's coming? And it's it's going to happen because, you know, we've evacuated tens of thousands of Jews from their homes all along the Lebanese border uh, from October 7th. Where do they go? Here to they, Jerusalem? They're in the hotels. Where you're no, no, I, I know. I, I, you don't they're, they're all over the country. Yes. In, in Jerusalem, in the Dead Sea, in Tel Aviv. They're, they're everywhere. And 
we can't return him to their homes as long as Hezbollah is threatening to attack. And if if you think Hamas is a dangerous terror organization, which they are, Hezbollah is ten times the size, and uh, they have hundreds of thousands of rockets pointed at this country, many of them precision-guided, many of them long-range. They could deliver much more serious payloads. They have a much bigger army, and we cannot go to sleep at night until that's taken out. Uh, and you see we're being attacked by Hamas. We're being attacked by Hezbollah. There, there's cross-border attacks going on every day since this war every started. Every day. We're being attacked by the Houthis. All of these are Iranian proxies. They're being funded by Iran. This is a war that's taking place in real time between Israel, Iran, and all of its proxies. And unfortunately, I don't think that the United States appreciates the situation that we're in right How now. How could they? They help fund Iran. The country you're talking about responsible for all this stuff has gotten not just money, $6 billion not that long ago, but they've loosened every restriction, every sanction, and they've allowed Iran to make billions of dollars from the Chinese with oil, we basically, the Americans, funded this war. Right. And now, instead of seeing this as an existential issue like the way Israelis see it, they see this as an election issue. They say, oh, how can we go into an election if Israel continues to fight against Hamas and if Israel's going to fight against Hezbollah? It's just going to make us look bad. Okay. So now they're blaming us for their own, Jeez. their own foreign policy problems and their own election problems uh, instead of either taking care of the situation, which they should take care of the situation, but at least just let us take care of the situation and stop pressuring us. And you know why they're pressuring Israel? Because Israel's the only party that listens to them. Like, Iran doesn't care what they're saying. Hamas and Hezbollah, they don't care what they're saying. Israel's the only one that cares what the Americans say, and that's why they're putting all the pressure on Israel. Alex, you are an unbelievable guy. Seriously, you're brilliant, you're smart, you're loyal. Uh, you run a great operation here. We will never be able to thank you enough for what you've done. And we actually are already talking about coming back and using your studios again because it's been not just informative and we've learned a heck of a lot, but it's been fun. And I can't wait to have Shabbos dinner with you and Sippy and your five children coming up tomorrow night. So thank you for everything. It's a great appearance here today. You've been great for the better part of five months. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless it. God bless you, too. That is Alex Trayman, the CEO. If you don't love this guy, you don't love God. It's as simple as that. This guy's as good as it gets. The salt of the earth, the CEO of JNS, Alex Trayman. We'll take a short break. Bill O'Reilly's coming up. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Gotta love the text I just got from Joseph Aboud, the best men's fashion designer in the world. He says, if only every American could have just heard that conversation between you and Alex, Alex Trayman. I agree. It was great. Sit in friends in the morning, live from Israel, 77 WABC. She was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best. This is the highest 
rated segment of the week on WABC because it's Bill, Bill O'Reilly. I mean, whether it's 9 p.m. weeknights on WABC or his own website does not get better, BillOReilly.com. Great interviews, great conversations, great TV work, his Killing Series, 13 in, Killing the Witches. Got another one coming out, by the way, coming out this fall. And I had the great opportunity to share a stage with this legendary man back in October. That was a great night in Huntington. My man, the great Bill O'Reilly. And, Bill, I want to tell you, you told me to do three things when I got to Israel. And I've tried to do all of them. But the one that I do almost every morning when I have breakfast on the 11th floor, I'm staying on the 8th floor of my Jerusalem hotel, is talk to the kids. Because these kids are running around, Bill, like they'd be running around in Manhasset or Brooklyn, like there's nothing going on, you know. And, uh, and they're all great But I'm going to tell you this, part of the reason why that's the case is their parents don't tell them everything, including there are kids that are hostages. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the social media intrusion over there is uh, on the children. I don't think it's nearly as intense as it is here in the USA. I've been listening all week, and uh, you know what's amazing? It sounds like you're right here in my living room. I mean, there's been no – technically, WABC has done a nice job. And the flow of the information uh, from Israel has been very good, I think. I mean, Thank it's you. just Thank a uh, – it's a service. I mean, because then, look, we're over there in a, in a battle zone. But um, I think it's wise to keep this away from children as much as possible because they don't know how to process it emotionally. And uh, Israel, as you know, much tighter restrictions on what the media can do, what you can see. Um, and sometimes that's good, particularly in a time of war. So I'm glad you're out over there. Um, I have a question for you. You ready? Sure. Okay. What is the most important thing in your life that you have learned since you've been in Israel? Loyalty. And, uh, you know, you, you live in America, and there are loyal people. Heck, I mean, look how loyal you are to me, and John is loyal to me, and Margo and Chad and my, my wife, my kids. But there is, there is this sense of loyalty amongst Israelis. You know what it is, Bill, I guess? You know, you talk about phones. I haven't seen these kids with phones. And back in New York, in, New York, in America, our kids have this, and maybe not Spencer, or Ava, and Gabriel, but I'm talking about the majority – they, they, they expect it all. It's coming to them. They, they just think they wake up in the morning and they get what they want. And it's not like that here. You know, it's just not like that. They love each other. They're here to fight for each other. you got young men and women walking the streets with guns who have to serve. They will die for this country. And there is a feeling of patriotism and love on these streets, even during a time of war that New York in its wildest dreams could never, ever mirror, not even yeah, two weeks the, after the, 9-11. The unity, um, I think that's apparent that, yes, they have uh, obviously in the Knesset, they had parties and they're yelling at each other, but once it gets down to self-protection and uh, putting yourself out for your neighbor, they're all in it together. So loyalty, that's interesting um, because we don't see that very much anymore. Um, people are out for themselves, particularly in uh, Western Europe and in the United States. Um, so that's a good lesson. And, you know, it's a hard lesson to impart to other people 
because you're right. I mean, the way kids are brought up here is that, hey, it's Tuesday, so where's mine? Here's what I want. Let's serve it on up. And that's getting worse and worse and worse. And the government issue here plays a, a pretty big role, too, because, and I keep saying this, that when you listen to people, politicians, uh, Bill, important people in Israel, they're very, very quick to thank Joe Biden. Very, very quick. Because they need him. And again, anecdotal, just yeah, me, it, sure. walking the streets. They don't like him. They know that Trump, you just heard Alex Trayman. He doesn't even love Donald Trump. He, he, he basically said he can never be the statesman that Netanyahu is. But what he did for this country, no one has ever done before. No one will do since. Our government, they play for both teams, and they know that. If Biden thinks he's fooling people in this country because he went on Fox News and said, I'm there for Israel, he ain't fooling them, Bill O'Reilly. I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, look, the progressive left, which controls Joe Biden, doesn't like Israel. I mean, it's a pretty simple thing. And and Biden has to play the both sides now, and that's what he's doing. Um, I haven't criticized his uh, posture um, so far. I think he's doing what I would do if I were president. I would be very a staunch ally. Trump saw it a little bit differently. Um, good and evil. Um, you know, the Hamas people are evil. Israel is good. This is how Trump saw it. Um, but Biden doesn't see it that way. Um, now they're they're banging this two state thing, and I, I always go back to I'm a simple man. You know Rosenberg how simple I am. <laughs> two state? Where's the other state? Yeah. Okay. Where is it? Is it Hamas, Hezbollah? What state? Oh, the Palestinian Authority. They can't even come out of their house. Okay. So all right, fine. You got all this. But I want to turn my attention, because you may have missed this, to the big story here in the United States, which is going to bubble over, and that's uh, Tay-Tay Swift endorsing Joe Biden. Are, are you up to speed on this? Not only am I up to speed on this, but we're going to take a break, because I'm going to tell you this, Bill. You know I love your morning message, right? You're, you're tremendous at 840 with me. You're great at night. But I really compel people to listen to the morning message that you play on my show every day. It's great. And today, you talked about Taylor Swift. Yeah. And I can count on one hand the amount of times I've said, nope, not for me. But I'm going to tell the listeners why and give you a chance to tell me maybe why I'm wrong. So keep that Taylor Swift thing in your head, Bill O'Reilly. When we get back, we will talk more with the great Bill O'Reilly. He brought her up. Taylor Swift. Friend or foe? We'll talk to Bill O'Reilly and find out right after this. This is Sit-In Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friends. 
So this is uh, Taylor Swift. So earlier this morning, Bill O'Reilly does his morning message, and he's talking about the Swift-Travis-Kelsey relationship. Travis is about to play in the Super Bowl, along with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs for the fourth time in five years. Today they're a two-point underdog taking on the 49ers, a rematch of a game we saw four years ago when the Chiefs beat Garoppolo and the Niners 31-20. to And uh, Bill was kind of nice about it. You know, my daughter likes her, and she doesn't annoy me all that much. And I went nuts at about 7.40 back local time this morning. I said, wait a second. She's hanging out with the Hadid girls. They hate the Jews. They put on a comedy event in Gaza, and Taylor Swift donated. You're giving money to the bad guys. Then we find out today she's she's actually endorsing Joe Biden. So, yes, Bill O'Reilly's daughter loves her. My daughter, Ava, loves her. I can't stand her. Does that mean me a bad guy? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I knew you were going to um, say that. <clears throat> look. I don't think Taylor Swift is uh, a political scientist. She's not going for a Ph.D. at Georgetown anytime soon. That's not a slap on her. But when you say she donates here, she donates there, I, I mean, it would be inconceivable to me that she would have analyzed what these people do. So, again, we'll go back to the wait, wait, so I, wait, I, But you cannot use, Bill, ignorance as a defense. Okay. But I'm just telling you, there's a difference between malevolence, like I want to hurt the Jewish people, and I don't know what the deuce I'm doing. Okay. There's, a, there's a difference. Okay. okay. So Taylor Swift uh, doesn't annoy me because I would rather see the cutaway of her jumping up and down in the luxury box whenever her boyfriend touches the football than a 350-pound behemoth covered with tattoos dumping Gatorade down his throat. If Which, I by the way, choice, well, that, that was basically her brother-in-law-to-be, the soon-to-be Hall yeah, of Famer Philadelphia right, yeah. Eagle, shirtless uh, after 70 beers. Yeah, and that's uh, a very nice image for the kids. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not annoyed with the, uh, with the cutaways so much. I, I would... Uh, if I were advising Taylor Swift, I, I kind of turned down the wattage on the lipstick a little. It's a, it's a little too um, Rocky Horror Picture Show at this point. you got to just bring that down a little bit. But other than that, you know, she wants to jump up and down in the box. At that. Now, I am betting the over-under in the Super Bowl of how many cutaways CBS oh. will have oh. of the box, right? Yes. So I've got yes. it. I've got my over at twelve. All right, that's where I'm going in. So this is a media contrived story, and and I was on News Nation with Cuomo last night, uh, making fun of him because he was actually taking the story seriously, which is oh my god, not Chris. a serious story. No. Uh, well, 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 I'll tell you where it is serious, though, Bill. Where it is serious? What? The NFL, because we're going to joke about it, and it is kind of joking for the fan. But the one thing you cannot deny is the NFL, the reason why they're okay with CBS showing Taylor Swift 12 times, this is a fact. They've made a ton of money. Merchandise, little girls who never watch football in their whole lives are now buying Travis Kelsey jerseys. So it's not just a a thing to make fun of. They're making money. They're making money. And look, it's capitalism, and and that's always the way it's going to be, all right? But what what happened here with the political end is is fascinating. So a few uh, nuts 
on the internet, of course, say that Taylor Swift uh, is going to endorse Joe Biden. I don't know whether that's true or not. I do know that little Anthony and the Imperials refused to endorse <laughs> Joe Biden, so Taylor might be second. And Ringo Starr is not showing up to, to endorse. Now, I don't. Does that matter to anybody that Taylor Swift endorses Joe Biden? It, number one, I don't think it's going to happen because it makes her look bad. Because then she goes out and people go, well, why do you like Biden? He's the worst president in the world. Why, what are you doing? And, you know, she's not going to gain from that. But it's perfectly reasonable because she lives in Nashville, Tennessee, surrounded by people just like her who, you know, um, they're all the same uh, in, the, in the, well, we're liberal. We feel sorry for this one and that one. And, and this is her world. But wait a and second. I, wait a second. I'm Wait not sure Two Travis things. Kelsey is, is is you know contributing to the uh, to the dialogue here. I don't no, know him. No, 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 no. But what, two things. What you just said. First of all, without endorsing Joe Biden, she's yes. already uh, irked people like me because she is on record more than once saying terrible things about Donald Trump. Secondly, you're right. She's in Nashville, Tennessee. That is the country music capital of the world. And I can tell you this, Bill, really competently, those country music artists. They're not voting for Joe Biden. No, but there's a split, and she's not country. She's pop. She just lives down there. But her whole industry is that way, that that left wing and, you know, we're noble, virtue signaling, we're woke. That's what that industry is. So, but it doesn't matter. You know, she's an American. She wants to endorse Joe Biden. Fine. I mean, I don't think it's a wise move on her part. Um, to do that because she doesn't know enough to acquit herself in that arena. And and therefore, she's putting herself in, in kind of a spot to be made fun of. Right. But the most important thing I told Cuomo was that the media gins this up because they got nothing else to do. They're waiting for the border bill, which nobody's seen. Everybody's taking sides on it, but nobody's seen it. All right. They're waiting for my orcas to be impeached. I mean, that'll happen, I guess, when you get back. They're waiting for you to come back before they impeach my orcas. All right. And and so there's really and then we don't really know what Biden's going to do to Iran. He's threatening them. I know what I'm going to do, but I'm not telling anybody. Um, So the media has nothing. So they seize on this because they know that people are interested in um, Taylor Swift. And it's so contrived, it's so ridiculous. So I just mocked the whole thing uh, because Cuomo was taking it seriously. Oh, come on. And I go, here's something you don't know, uh, Cuomo. Uh, Taylor Swift wants Mayorkas impeached, and that's why they're doing it. <laughs> She's never even heard that name in her whole life. But you're right. I mean, there's nothing, even the game. I mean, the one no, thing, and I did, I did sports from right. Before. I mean, I did sports uh, for a long time. You got two weeks to talk about one game. I would sit down on Radio Row, do five shows, talking about nothing for one game. No. And I hope this Kelsey guy appreciates Taylor Swift because he's making a a bloody fortune. Uh, You know, every time I turn around, he's in some ad, you know. And I'm I'm going, you wouldn't be there without this. Um, So anyway, look. The media always does this stuff. They always pump it up. 
Some people take it seriously. Oh, tell us what man endorsed Joe Biden. Okay. Uh, not going to help him, all right, if that happens. I agree. Uh, and it was good to uh, have a little moment of uh, levity there because I'm in a war zone, and <laughs> there's a lot of bad stuff going on to the north, that? to the south. Uh, I'm coming back Sunday. You know, tomorrow now, Bill, uh, tomorrow morning, we are going to uh, make the trip down south to the actual site of the Nova Music Festival and the Kibbutzim where they did uh, all that damage, killing yeah. babies and raping and murdering. And so we're going to be uh, at that awful <laughs> sacred spot in Gaza coming up tomorrow morning. So. And then right, we'll leave then. on Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, look, uh, don't overdo it out there. And um, do they have tanning salons, by the way? Is tan fading, or are you okay on that? It's funny you say that, Bill. The studios that I'm at right now, JNS Studios, nestled away in the center of Jerusalem. The guy that runs them, he was on moments before you came on. His name is Alex Treyman, and his wife's name is Sippy. And his wife, Sippy, got me a gym to work out out in uh, Jerusalem and... Monday and today before the show, two tanning sessions in Jerusalem. <laughs> I look like it's 85 and sunny here. By the way, it's been 40 and raining almost every day. But I yeah. look like I've been on the beach in a lot. <laughs> you know, you got, you got to keep up appearances, Rosenberg. You, you can't <laughs> flop off. You're the only guy in the world that could find a tanning center in the middle of a war zone. Hello, I'll be back in about an hour. Cease fire. I got to get a little raise. Oh, God, it's true. It is true. But I was so nervous about that, and thank God that was taken care of. I'm glad you brought that up. Hey, Bill, you're hilarious. You're brilliant. I love you. We'll talk again next week when I'm back in the States. Thank you so much. All right. Safe travels, Sid. Thank you, buddy. He's so great. Bill O'Reilly, folks. 9 p.m. every weeknight right here on WABC. And, of course, this epic conversation about 845 with me every Thursday morning. He's also on, I believe, Mondays with John and Rita. The great Bill O'Reilly. Check him out, BillOReilly.com. We'll take a short break. We've got about 45 minutes to go our last show in Jerusalem. The guy that got us here, one of the nicest people you'll ever hear from, he's going to join us live wrapping up this big week in Jerusalem when we get back after Noam with the news. Western.